0: So, let me give you a little bit of context first. In the United States, there's about 38 million food insecure people. It's about 11% of the entire country. Of that, there's 10 million kids that are food insecure that live in a household with a person that's employed. In a country where the per capita GDP is $63,000, that's about $86,000 $86,000 in Singapore dollars, that's not a good look. One of our closest GDP per capita neighbors, Norway, has less than 1% of its population that faces food insecurity. And you know, the question is like, is is there enough food? Right? It's like, is it like a problem of supply? There's plenty of food, right? 40% of all the food in the United States is wasted. It's about $200 billion worth of food. So what happens when you don't have enough food to eat? What happens when you don't know when your next meal is gonna come from? Well, people make trade-offs. They maybe don't pay for their heating. Maybe they don't get the healthcare that they need. Maybe they don't pay for their housing. And when they do buy food, it's often fast food and, and cheap sugar. This results in all sorts of outcomes multidimensional, and they follow people around for the rest of their lives. High rates of obesity, plummeting life expectancy, less likely to graduate, poor job outcomes. And this is just one problem. One sort of complicated, wicked mess of a problem. There are many, many, many problems like that. United States and all over the world. This problem of food justice, it's my problem. And I'm going to get back to it for a little bit, but first I'm going to talk a little bit about me, and then we're going to talk about how I'm trying to address food insecurity. So right out of college, I got started as the CTO of a venture-backed startup. Um, I realized that I was comforting the comfortable and making wealthy people wealthier. So I decided I want to take my skills and what I knew about how to build tech. And I founded a social innovation accelerator at the Robin Hood Foundation. Just in January, I left and I'm now the CEO of Help Kitchen and we're on a mission to end food insecurity in America and hopefully put ourselves out of business. So how are we going to do that? Well, from the outset, Help Kitchen followed the same sort of process that we developed at the labs. It's a place where we can bring technologists and communities together to explore and build new solutions to these wicked sorts of problems. Over the years, since uh, we got started in 2014, we've launched a bunch of different organizations out of our programs that have gone to make a real difference in the problems they've set out to solve. We supported teams that serve millions of people and have generated hundreds of millions of dollars of impact. But it's important to realize, to to Mark's point earlier, that it really takes a village, right? The labs is a part of a large thriving ecosystem that is essential. You're gonna hear from Shannon, who's a good friend of mine, and fast forward, teams go on to get support from a bunch of different teams and all of us working together to support these folks going out, solving real problems. The same way that the Silicon Valley ecosystem fostered an explosion of of new companies and new ideas and new products, it takes a bunch of different organizations all supporting this innovation to make it happen. At the labs, we do one specific part. We're at the very, very beginning, where people get together and go from nothing and. Try to turn it into something. And that's what we're going to talk about here. Um, I think about innovation as a process. It's not necessarily an outcome. Everything that you see, all of the companies, all of the organizations, all of the products, at one point they were shiny, new, and innovative, right? What I think is more interesting and more important is how you can consistently and predictably create new impactful organizations and new ideas to address the different dynamic challenges we face today. So what follows here is Blue Ridge Labs' way of doing things. There are a bunch of different models of how you do it. There's a bunch of different ways. This is sort of the condensed and and trying to condense it down to its core ideas of what worked for us. So what are they? People. Well, of course you always need people, all problems are people, problems, all solutions are are made by people. But I think it's important to talk about specifically what I mean by people. I didn't say team, right? No matter what you're doing, you need a team of motivated, excellent people to get stuff done right? You could be making paper clips, you could be anything needs excellent motivated people. That's not unique. What I think you need in order to, to create novel solutions to hard problems is, is really everyone. You need the community that's affected. You need the people that have been studying it. You need the government that has, is working on it. You need people who are experts, people who have lived experience of the challenge themselves, people who understand the problem from many, many different perspectives, and ideally as close to the problem as possible. This is a comic strip that I love. Imagine if I was, I, if I were our teenage girl target audience, I would love our new product. I'd, what, leave this room? You mean go out and talk to people? Go out and like listen to what they need? To design sustainable solutions is to understand who you're designing for. And to do that, you really need to involve people and their communities in the creation of tools and services that are relevant to their lives. So when you get all the people together, what do you have to do? I think you gotta create safety. I struggled with this. I was trying to figure out, I initially started with the word support but I wanted to be more specific. Supports like, you know, helping you, like you some some money, you some space. And I think safety is a very specific idea. And that idea is that people feel like they can take a risk. That there's a net to catch you. That falling into that, that, that failing making a mistake, doing something wrong, trying something that doesn't work, that's not failure. In many ways, trying something that doesn't work is success. Failure is not, what what failure is, is failure is not trying at all. Because when you fail, when you make a mistake, you learn more about the the problem space. You understand more about what might work and what doesn't. The only way to find out if you're wrong is to make something real, to try something risky. You can see this, this person out on a high wire over a waterfall. Right? I don't know if you can see. It's this little tiny thing. They've got this little protective wire that's connected to them in the back. If your goal is getting across the chasm, you have to make it safe to make that first step. And then finally, I think you've got to launch. And launch often, and a lot. The only way to find out if you're right or wrong is to make something real and to put it into people's hands. This is one of my favorite quotes from Steve Jobs. And the reason why is no product, no service, no idea ever really survives first contact with a customer intact. That's why there's always a version two, there's always the improvements. When we first joined Robinhood, Uh, Our boss at the time, Michael Weinstein, told us that if all of our products succeeded, he was gonna fire us because we weren't taking big enough risks. You've got to ship things. You've got to put them out into the world because they're not going to work. And that not working helps you discover exactly what might work. And then you've got to have ideas. Wait, wait, no, you don't need ideas. An idea is simply the expression of how a particular team believes a problem can be solved right now. The idea isn't the crux of it. Because if you've got excellent people, you give them safety to try new things, and they go out and do it and put it into the world, they will get to better ideas. So, how did this play out? Help Kitchen started at the height of the pandemic. We went and talked to people, right? We talked to people who were at food pantries. We talked to people who ran food pantries. The charitable food system was overwhelmed and hunger was growing. We realized that there was a huge number of folks for whom Traditional soup kitchens and food pantries didn't work. Close to two-thirds of the food insecure population don't use pantries. It's challenging because of time constraints. It wasn't convenient. Hard for people to use, a prep time of food, etc. And the first idea came about because we talked to someone who said, you know, I used to work at a restaurant. I used to feed people. And now I'm waiting in line for food. So we came up with this idea. Maybe, maybe we could just buy food for people at restaurants. Our funder, Jeff and Erica Lawson, asked us, well, what's the worst that could happen? We feed a bunch of people. Go for it, try it out, see if it works. A week later, we were serving people hot meals from restaurants in San Francisco using a text message platform we put together with the digital equivalent of glue and string. Super simple, folks text in, we connect them with a local nearby restaurant. They go to pick up their meals and we pay the restaurants, putting money into the local economy. It's super simple, but that's also kind of what makes it powerful. Scalable, low overhead, provides high quality nutrition to food insecure folks for whom the traditional charitable food system, pantries and like, might not be a good fit. To date, we've served 1.7 million meals. And in San Francisco alone, in 2021, we fed at least one meal to approximately 15% of the food insecure population in San Francisco, around 30,000 people. And it's a virtuous cycle. We pump dollars into the local economy, supporting local businesses, keeping those restaurants alive, who in turn hire folks. A study that came out of the city of Aurora, hopefully going to be published soon, every dollar that we put into the restaurants recirculates seven times in the local economy. That process of going out and talking to the people, having the safety to try things that might not work, putting it out in the world. Doing that over and over again led us to an insight. And that insight's the beginning of that cycle all over again. That it's possible to utilize the for-profit food industry to provide high-quality, nutritious, high-dignity food to food insecure people at scale. And it turns out at a price point that's competitive with traditional providers. Is this the best solution? Will it continue to work in a post-pandemic world? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't Well, I think it will. I just don't know. So what do I do? I fall in love with the problem, not my particular solution. The particular solution tells you something important about the problem, but it certainly doesn't solve it. Not quite yet. So Help Kitchen is a thing that works, but it could be better. And maybe once the pandemic sort of winds down and restaurants figure out a different model, it might not work anymore. So what do we do? Go talk to people. Build things that I believe will work. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Put them out into the world and find out. And over and over again, every time, hopefully the world gets a bit better. Thank you.